medical department, only two go to the bench, and we are more than a dozen. We don't train, we only recover. That's a, that's a situation. Preparation, hard work, confidence in overcoming those difficult moments. Today we're still outside Liverpool and we are going to the first part of the medical test. Welcome to this Football Medicine and Performance podcast. I'm Andrew Shafiq, Senior Editor at the FMPA and your host for today's podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Carl Todd. Dr. Carl Todd is a registered osteopath, lecturer, published author, and a certified strength and conditioning specialist. His academic <coughs> qualifications include a PhD in orthopedics and clinical science, and a master's degree in sports injury medicine, and an honors degree in osteopathy. His professional experience ranges from a consultant osteopath to the Football Association, where he's provided osteopathic care for 200 international games. Later this year, he'll be attending his fifth FIFA World Cup in Qatar, and he's previously attended FIFA World Cup tournaments in Germany, South Africa, Brazil, and Russia, as well as UEFA European Championships in Poland, Ukraine, and France. He's a consultant osteopath to Chelsea Football Club and has been doing this since 2008, and also works for The Athletic since 2019, specifically providing trackside support for Dina Asher-Smith. His other consultancy roles include Team GB Male and Female Basketball at the London 2012 Olympics, British Athletics at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, and many other clubs, including Real Madrid, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool and Tottenham, to name a few. His clinical experience with both elite and amateur level athletes has led Carl to developing his own unique style of integrating osteopathy and corrective exercise rehabilitation, encompassing biopsychosocial, biomechanical and functional rehabilitation for patient management and re-education. His unique areas of interest are spine, hip and groin rehab, pre and post surgery and specifically injury prevention. Carl also lectures and speaks at international and national medical conferences on subjects of sports injury management and rehab, and he's designed and delivers his own CPD courses on functional integrated approaches to managing the athlete. Today, we're going to discuss Carl's journey, experiences, and find out a little bit more about his route to 200 games for the English team as an osteopath. So I'd like to welcome you after uh, that long introduction, which only really touches a little bits of your career today. So nice, nice to have you with us today, Carl. Thank you, Andrew. In fact, I don't think I have to say anything else, do I? <laughs> well, it's, uh, following on from that, I suppose, do you mind just expanding a bit on the intro and tell us about kind of your, your journey to today and why you decided to become an osteopath? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a convoluted journey. And when I left school at 16 and I, I joined the forces back in the 80s, uh, when you, I think you were allowed to do that. I don't much so sure nowadays, but I spent 10 years in the military. Uh, and, and when I left, I did a resettlement course. Uh, they provided like a 12 week training course to, to go into uh, civilian street. And uh, as a result of that, uh, I ended up doing a course on, on sports rehabilitation and just a, like an introduction thing. And it was really quite interesting. It actually captivated me because having left school with, with just O-levels at 16, uh, it was almost like, hey, I'm starting to learn again. And, and that sort of whet my appetite, I suppose. Uh, having been an engineer in the army, I, I found that uh, sort of the rehabilitation, the movement, the, the function was something that... that uh, 
I could sort of get my head around a little bit and find really interested in, uh, and, and, and that's where it started. I worked with an old military physio uh, for about seven years who, who taught me a lot, actually. He, uh, he, had, he had been in the forces for 30 odd years. Uh, and he, I remember he gave me all his books in the early days. And, uh, and when I said to him, I'm gonna go and study physiotherapy, he, he actually talked me out of it. He said, well, why don't you try osteopathy or chiropractic uh, and, and uh, try something a little bit different to complement what you already know. And, and, and that's where the, the journey uh, uh, started. I ended up going to Oxford Brookes University to study osteopathy uh, as a mature student. Those on the course might say I was not so mature, but, uh, but I was a mature student, yeah. So at the, at the age of like 28, 29, something like that. Brilliant. It's really interesting to hear that introduction. I suppose uh, our listeners would be really interested to l- learn a bit more about how you started working in football uh, and sports-related osteopathy more specifically. Do you mind kind of touching a little bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, f- first of all, when I qualified, I had no... Uh, I never thought for one minute I'd ever work in sport. I never thought I would be be uh, good enough technically or academically to do anything like that. Uh, and I've been treating a private patient in clinic, uh, and unbeknown to me, they had connections uh, with the FA. And as a result of them getting better quickly, uh, maybe for my treatment, some people might say maybe it would get better anyway with time. But anyway, I was recommended. And then I had a, a, a telephone call from Gary Lewin at the time, who was uh, the head physio uh, for the, the men's senior team. And he invited me up to the Lowry Hotel because, of course, Wembley wasn't built back in, in 2005. It was still under construction. Uh, so I, I drove up to the, to the Lowry Hotel to, to meet Gary uh, and, and the team. And that's where it all started. Brilliant. And you, you've touched there on the, on the kind of football and you've worked with the English national team for over 17 years, as, as you mentioned, and 200 games is a remarkable feat. More caps than Peter Shilton, Wayne Rooney, David Beckham, to, to name a few. Do you mind telling us a little bit, little bit about that? Yeah, you know, it's, I, I started uh, working with, uh, after that first visit, uh, I was asked to look at a few players and, and by the end of it, uh, I was wheeled in to meet Sven, uh, Gordon Eriksson and the coaching staff at the time. And, uh, and, and, and Sven introduced himself and said, uh, I hear you're coming to join us. And I thought, well, fantastic. So I started off working literally uh, one or two days before every game. Uh, uh, and that was back in 2005. And then gradually uh, what happened the tournament 2006 kicked on, uh, the World Cup, uh, and and then I was sort of draw, brought into it a little bit more regularly, a little bit more consistently. And I guess you have to understand back in 2005, we didn't have a huge medical team in the national team like like um, that we have a, a, a more sizable uh, t- medical team now, which is sort of... Uh, similar to what you might find in some clubs in terms of physios and soft tissue therapists and doctors. But back in, back in them days, it, it wasn't so big. So, uh, so it, was, it was myself, Gary, we had a, a couple of soft tissue therapists and we would have an extra one for a tournament and, and, and a doctor as well. Brilliant. And what is it like working with top class athletes? And I suppose what, what kind of approach do you, do you take with them more specifically? You know what, you know, this is for me, I think often this is a mistake people make. It's uh, sometimes go get, coming into sport and, uh, and, and getting involved in it. They, they sometimes get a little bit sort of uh, starstruck 
in certain occasions. They're just normal human beings and, and they're no different to normal patients. And I remember a very high profile player once said to me, he said, uh, you know what? He says, I really like the way you treat me and move me around the couch and talk to me. And, and I just stopped and I said to him, you know, I don't treat you any different to any other patient. Uh, and I think that's maybe that's testament to why I've said in, in sport for so long where you, you you just treat them as normal people if something's not right you tell them if something's good you tell them you know uh and and i, and I guess that's probably uh i think clinically i guess one of the easiest things to think about certainly with a national team uh you're together for a long time and of course they train for say two hours a day uh, so there's an extra 22 hours while you're in a hotel, not doing an awful lot. So there are many things that you can do during that time, you know, from, from help with recovery strategies to treatment. And sometimes rather than having one dose of treatment, it's better to have a few, three or four micro doses of treatment throughout the day to break it up, to, to, to keep the player focused, to keep, to keep everything moving along smoothly. And that's a bit different, obviously, private practice. Uh, it's unethical, in my opinion, to have patients coming back week in, week out, regularly, or or even regularly throughout the week. Uh, I think uh, there's a more of an emphasis there placed on on sort of a patient-centered approach and managing themselves to get themselves better with the right guidance. Uh, so essentially, the the big difference is is you're in, and even from working in the, the national team to working at the club, it again, is very different because because come maybe three o'clock in the afternoon, everybody wants to go home. Uh, you have the luxury when you're with a national team that you actually have the players for a little bit longer, uh, which makes sometimes things a little bit easier. Brilliant, and you've kind of mentioned some of these already, but I suppose what what do you enjoy? most about working in football more are some of the the biggest challenges and uh, you've got that experience of club and international so it'd be interesting to hear yeah. um your, your views on both I, I like the challenge i like the stress i like to be put under pressure a little bit you know obviously we don't want any injuries but it's a bit of it's 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 sort of it's what keeps you keeps you sharp, keeps you interested. If someone wakes up with a with a, 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 with a back issue the day of the game, or or, or somebody wakes up with a with a, a tight groin from a, a report of tight groin in a in a set piece session the morning of a game, and you're asked to look at them, and that gives me a buzz. If you can do something worthwhile to to help that individual uh, actually get out onto the pitch, uh, if 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 everything else is 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 fine, and you know it's. To win, obviously, is great. Three points, no injuries and a clean sheet, you know, for me, is, is brilliant. I've been very fortunate to sort of to work, uh, like you said earlier, 200 games. We've won a lot of those games. We've lost a lot of those games. Uh, I don't really know the statistics. I've never really looked. Uh, but I will remember my 200th game because we lost that 4-0 uh, to Hungary recently. So, so you know, I mean, that's, that's sometimes the dampener of it. Uh, I've been very fortunate, obviously, at a club level where I've been part of a medical team uh, that supported the first team players that have won over my sort of time being involved there. Every every trophy, uh, domestic, European and international that a club can win. And that feels very special as well. You know, very privileged. Brilliant. And I think the last couple of points you've mentioned, obviously, when we were speaking about kind of the patient-centred approach and communication, I think that was a real take-home, but also remembering some of the key strengths and challenges of, of the environment. But are there any particular standout cases that you've had to deal with or ones that you'd be um, open to sharing with us? Yeah, I remember way back in, in 2006, so probably this is maybe cemented my, my sort of position at the time working with the FA. Uh, I think... Uh, 
I think it was it was one of the players, Joe Cole, had had uh, had collided with Steven Gerrard in a training session, and I think it was like three days before the uh, his first World Cup game, and and he ended up with an acute low back spasm, and uh, and of course, you know, he had an antalgic stance, antalgic posture. He couldn't sit, he couldn't stand, uh, and I remember at the time thinking, well. And this is where you're in your 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 your, uh, your money, Todd. And uh, so, so I worked with, with with obviously worked with the whole team at that time. But I spent a lot of time with Steve, and those almost like those little micro doses. Uh, and I learned a lot myself from that experience because within that three day period, he was able to to train uh, on the on on the the day before, which was after two days. Uh, at the stadium prior to the game, match day minus one, and then it was available and played. And uh, and I felt really immensely uh, satisfied for doing that because a lot of people, I think, had, had, had written him off thinking he's not going to make that game. Look at the way he's sitting down at breakfast. Look at the way he's walking around the hotel. And I remember getting back on the plane afterwards to come back in summer in Germany. And uh, I had this tap in the back of my, my, my shoulder and I turned around, he stood behind me. And he said to me, he said, he says, I'll never forget what you did for me. And he had a shirt from the game and he, he shoved it into my hand. And uh, he says, he says, I'll get that signed for you back at the hotel. And, and I thought that was really special. And I still have that shirt now in one of my clinics on the wall uh, signed to two of my boys because my, my uh, I think my youngest boy wasn't even born then at that time. Uh, and then he, he wrote about it in one of his autobiographies and stuff like that about his experience at that time afterwards as well. So that's probably one of the... Probably the probably the first standout thing, and it's probably the one that always sticks to my sticks in my mind the most. Amazing, that's an amazing story. I think it's the the, the joys of of working in sport that we that we definitely I think uh, are, are lucky to be involved with. And you, you've touched on private practice. We've mentioned club football, international football. Um, I suppose it might be interesting for our listeners to hear a bit about kind of your typical day or how how your week split because it sounds you know you, you're a busy man for sure. Yeah, you know it's so. Uh, so generally speaking, you know, private practice consumes most of my time. Uh, so we, we, I, I have a clinic. Basically, where we live in the southwest of England. We have three clinics in Wiltshire. Uh, I have one in London where I spend uh, one or two days a week in. Uh, so I probably spend about three days in clinic. Uh, and I spend one or two days a week normally at Chelsea Football Club. And I try to sort of almost tie that in with... Uh, with, with attending trackside sessions with Dina in the evening uh, a couple of nights a week uh, and that's a normal week and then then obviously you have sometimes uh, internationals where you sort of you go away for that period of time you come back uh, you have the Champions League games which sometimes I travel over historically I've traveled with with Chelsea and the away trips over the years uh, and then like this weekend I've just been in Manchester for the British trials and I go uh I'm going to Sweden with her uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week for for a Diamond League, and we'll go to to uh, to the, the World Championships, uh, and then we'll do the Commonwealth Games, and and in between that, I'll be trying to balance some clinic work and some some work at the club as well. Uh, so yeah, it is a balancing act, and sometimes everybody says to me, "How do you manage all these jobs?" And you know what? I sometimes actually think you're right. 
how do I and why do I? So it's, uh, it's, I get a buzz out of it and uh, it, it, I'm still young enough to enjoy it. It, it probably won't go on forever because I'll get older and I'll get slower and there'll be somebody younger will come through who'll be keener and hungrier and, and, and meaner than me and then they'll step up and, and then they'll probably take over the reins and carry on, which would be nice. So, amazing, amazing. Really interesting to, to hear, I suppose. Maybe the last thing for our listeners, you, you've already touched on that brilliant story with, with kind of the England team in uh, 2006 with Bustine Jard, but what, what would you say is the most rewarding part of, of your job? Uh, I, the most rewarding part, I think, you know, I think sometimes this, anyone who works in a medical team will probably, will probably nod their head if they heard me say this, but I think one of the, the, the most rewarding things is to, to, and you have to put this into context. It's not just about the medical team, it's about the whole team. But I think one of the most rewarding issues is going to a tournament or having a period of intensive games at your club and having minimum issues, minimal injuries. Uh, for example, no intrinsic soft tissue injuries. Because that means a number of things. It means that the, the athlete or the player has screwed the nuts and trained hard. It means the coaches have got the loading right. It means the... Uh, the, the medical team have helped to get the recovery strategy and the preparation right. Uh, and I think the nutritionists, the chefs, everybody. And I think that for me is one of the most rewarding things. So for example, we've been in a situation over the, uh, say for example, maybe seven tournaments with England, eight maybe, if you include the sort of the old nations league that we did as well. And, and historically, there's always been a trend where we've done really well with having players' availability. Uh, and in the last couple of tournaments, it's been, been, us, been fantastic. You know, almost to the point where I remember the manager once actually saying to me, you're not making my job very easy uh, by having all these players available for selection. And I think it's, it's not down to me, by all means, it's, it's everyone within the team. And I think that for me is the most rewarding. Often doesn't get noticed, because those who work in the medical team, they only get noticed if there's players injured and when are they coming back. Mm. But when everyone's available, I think that that is the ultimate buzz because you mean you're doing your job properly. Brilliant, Carl. Brilliant. That's really interesting. Here. I suppose it goes back to the term of availability. Uh, may mean winability, or at least we hope so anyway. Um, yeah. Carl, thank you very, very much for joining us today. Is there anywhere our listeners can access some of your work or, you know, if they want to learn a little bit more about some of the things that you do, they can try and find out? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I think there's an article going into the, the magazine. Uh, uh, I have a website, which is, is www.carltodclinics.com or www.drcarltod.com. Uh, there's some CPD uh, pages on there for courses. Uh, I have a, a book that, uh, that will be published this year on the spinopelvic hip complex, uh, which is, uh, it's taken me a few, probably two or three years to sort of to, to create, and it complements one of my courses. Uh, and uh, so that's, I'm quite excited. That's coming out in November. Uh, on my on my uh, websites is all the, the research papers that I've been fortunate enough to to be part of a, a, a research team that we've been able to publish over the last uh, five six years. Uh, so there's lots of information there. Uh, I suppose the, what the book does is give more of an insight into how I think and how I work, uh, and complements the the way I, I perhaps I practice. Uh, which some people, not everyone, will agree with, but but it it'll it certainly will be a topic for uh, discussion, I'm sure, uh, in the in the coming year. 
Brilliant. Carl, thank you very, very much for joining us today. I think you've touched a lot on not only the clinical aspects of, of your work privately and in club and international football, but some of the non-technical skills such as kind of communication and treating the patient as, you know, treating an athlete as they are any patient, which I think is is, is real key take home for our listeners. Um, listeners, we'll put up the links for any articles and the links, uh, the websites that Carl's mentioned uh, with the podcast. If you enjoyed today, please subscribe to the FMPA on our Spotify and SoundCloud accounts where you can reach all of our podcasts. Alternatively, our podcasts are also available for free via the podcast section of the FMPA website. You've been listening to the Football Medicine and Performance Podcast. Have a great day.